Welcome to Raise the Standard. We're getting things done by lifting Christ above every area of life. My name is Andrew. I'm an MDiv student at Westminster Theological Seminary. My name is Bailey, and I'm an MDiv student at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Awesome. Today we're talking about fear, timidity, and faith. And it's your week. So tell me about it. it. What's the pitch? Yeah. (laughs) So like Andrew said, we'll be talking about fear. That will be our wolf for this week. And naturally, our timidity is our elephant. And you'll see why those two intertwine here in a little while. And then we want to leave you guys with some faithful encouragement from our lion being faith itself. And so the reason we wanted to kick off this week with our wolf, fear, is to kind of level the playing field. Uh, I wanted to discuss something that I feel like every single Christian struggles with in one instance or another, Mm. right? Everybody fears. And this is something that even culture is aware of. Uh, Everybody is scared of something, but I wanna wanna take the discussion below the surface as always today and get past just the surface level scares, right? I, I remember growing up, maybe something for the audience here, the biggest fear, the some, something I was most scared of was creepy crawlies, right? Especially in the dark. If I felt something on my foot, it would freak me out. That's something I was scared of. What was your biggest uh, scare growing up, Andrew? This is, this is a fun icebreaker. Uh, I think I was, <laughs> I was most scared of, of uh, demons and spirits. I'm not going to lie. That joke is scary. I was since Man. I was a little kid, too. There used to be the show on... Um, like Discovery Channel or something called A Haunting or something like that. Uh, and yeah. uh, I like watched an episode or two in one time when I was I was way too young. And it, it was so scary. I didn't know we were doing this today, so I didn't know we were going there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there, you go. there it is, there, people. One of Andrew's tucked away secrets. But and, and the thing is, with those fears, with those scares, those develop, right? As we ourselves develop in life, those turn into uh, uh, an actual fear of you know, what's unseen from angels and demons or demons and spirits to uh, what's unseen, uh, the battle that's waging that we don't see uh, from being scared of crawling things to being scared of not leaving a mark on the earth, right? Right. Fear, fear something. I was scared we were going to get like five listens on our episode last week, but what was that number? Yeah, there's... Yeah, that uh, last last week's are our pilot because last week we're cruising around fifty so right now. Yeah, yeah. I think, and then our pilot, you guys have hiked that thing up to around eighty five, eighty seven. So, yeah. we've we've gained listeners on our pilot from last week's episode, yeah. which is great. Which is great. Yeah. So, that's that's even a valid point to show fear. Fear has a, a take on everything. It's something that everybody struggles with, whether they're aware of it or not. So, Andrew, I'd love to hear from you. Looking at the culture today, uh, let's go ahead and, and draw the distinction between cultural fear and Christian fear. Let's let's start off, though, with what is what is something that culture fears and what is their take on fear to begin with? Goodness. I feel like our culture fears so many things. Uh, we're afraid of uh, being uncomfortable, you know, yeah. not, not having a not having Wi-Fi or something like that. Um, anything from that to, I don't know, just fear of death. I feel like that looms large in our culture. We do yeah. everything we can to distract uh, ourselves from death. And I think that, uh, you know, that's something Christianity obviously addresses because Jesus right. t- took away death's sting. It no longer has a stinger in it. And we right. don't have to be there afraid of death. So that's something that's directly, you know, 
that I think the culture is afraid of and in a way it should be. I think another thing culture is afraid of, I mean, you can talk about any, uh, anything going on in the news right now. I mean, people are afraid of right. injustice. They're afraid of our legal system. They're afraid of our political system. They're afraid of, um, you know, their local police forces. It's there. There's yeah. so much to be afraid. They're afraid of getting kicked out for not paying their rent. Like, you know, we're working, yeah. we're at, you and I are young, you know what it's like to work a hard job and not know if you're going to make ends meet. Right. Something like that. Uh, you know, we're afraid of never being happy. We're afraid of loneliness. We're fla- afraid of rejection. We're afraid of, uh, I don't know, our parents uh, not loving us or not loving us in the right way that we think is right. right. How all we want to be loved, all those things. Yeah, all kind of things. We're so just, the crazy, we're fearful. Yeah. The craziest thing is those, those things you were listing off, right? And in drawing that distinction between culture and church, between what's popular and what's Christian. The fact of the matter is, and, and let me know if you have a different opinion, but everything you listed off, I bet, uh, is true for the church as well. I think oh, yeah. we are scared of being uncomfortable. We're scared of um, not receiving approval we desperately want. Uh, we're scared of surface level things, which I think the big umbrella, both culture and church, belong underneath is we're scared of reality. Oh. Uh, and do everything, everything we can to numb ourselves from it, right? Mm-hmm. And including, and get this, including especially if you're a listener and you grew up around this too, this sort of uh, Southern Baptist culture, which is more culture-centered than Christ-centered, mm-hmm. you can even numb yourself from the things of Christ by doing the churchy things. Going to youth group, going to youth camps, doing all those things because there are things to do not somebody to behold. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing really uh, that we can sort of land on, I guess, and, and drive discussion through is what you hit on being uncomfortable and just reality. Uh, yeah. The reality of fear um, is something that everybody can face. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really true. I mean, especially as us Christ, as for us as Christian believers, we know that we are sinners, like theologically, right. especially as, you know, more reform minded people, we understand that we're sinners in our mind but at the same time in our heart sometimes we forget that and we're actually afraid of being found out that Mm -hmm. we're not perfect right that we're actually still sinning and so um that's there's a difference between that and like the fear that leads to repentance i'm afraid of getting found out for like sin that's still going on in my life that i haven't dealt with that is completely different than like i'm afraid of getting i'm afraid of like God for bringing me to an end for this sin that I'm not repented of. Exactly. And so for those of us listening today, as we continue to work through our wolf here of fear, we we beg the question, right? Why do we fear? Uh, It it has its own motives. And I think that's something we'll unpack a little more in the elephant. But we should also ask the question, is is fear ever okay? We don't want to just completely dismiss the fact that fear could sometimes be beneficial. Like you were just saying, there is a difference between spiritual fear in a proper fear. So I'm, I'm on vacation right now with the family here at the beach. Um, and there are different signs that are out to let people know what to do and not to do at the beach, right? Uh, just for example, an illustration, if uh, me and the family were on the shore and we saw a fin in the water that was going sideways and not up and down, we would properly fear going into the water because we could assume it's a shark and not a dolphin. You see, there's there's some fears that uh, keep us alive, sensory fears, but there is a difference between 
sensible fears and spiritual fears, I think. Right. That's a wisdom thing. I mean, even in Proverbs, you see the the lazy person, the sluggard saying, oh, no, there's a lion in the streets. I can't go right. out to work. It's like, is it good to be afraid of a lion in the streets? Like, yeah. But first of all, they're making it up. And second of all, uh, right. even if there were a lion in some street somewhere, which, you know, who knows? Uh that's not actual that's not real fear that's just an excuse it's a, it's something that's exactly. a distraction from what's actually going on and i i have a suspicion that goes on a lot in our sort of uh you know the conversations that we have in discipleship sometimes or even just talking with stuff about work it's like you're you're reporting that you're afraid of something when really it's just an occasion for distracting from what you've got right. going on from reality what's yeah. actually at hand yep exactly and, and you just nailed that i think the issue really is both um, in culture, but primarily the church, especially with how the church engages culture or cultural things, especially right now, especially yeah. right now, is when fear is driven by feelings rather than fact, mm. it becomes faithlessness. And that's the biggest issue. Like when our fear is driven by how we feel or how we want others to feel or how others might feel rather yeah. than fact. That's when it becomes the biggest detriment rather than a driving force uh, for faithfulness, right? Mm -hmm. We can properly fear factually that we were once alienated from God. We're still sinful. And because of that, we fear God and unpack that sin. We wash our hands clean. We deal with it. We fight in sanctification as opposed to fearing how that might make us fear, uh, feeling, um, fearing our feelings. John Piper nails this in a blog he wrote forever ago that... Um, I just love he says there's a certain factor of fear when it comes to the fight of faith and he painted this picture of a shop owner and it sort of touches on what you were just saying the uh, potential fear and the shop owner is uh, scared of being robbed so he closes his store he just bars the doors he chains them shut and he stays that way for so long that he never gets robbed he accomplishes what he set out to do but he also has to shut down because he didn't have any customers I think that's the church's issue with fear and their perspective of fear a lot of times. Yeah. So there's like a right recognition of a threat, a right recognition of something that can exert force or power over you. But that's actually disordered. It's twisted away from its God-ordained right. sort of structure. And so the the feelings kick in. And when those aren't aligned properly either, then you start to react in accordance with those rather than in, in reality. Yeah, I think that's really insightful. That's good. Yeah, and that's a perfect gateway, uh, a perfect on-ramp rather to our elephant today, timidity. Um, and, and I think to give a, a definition of timidity in the Christian life, in the Christian worldview, uh, I think timidity comes from um, faithless fear. Hmm. And, and what I mean by that is I think timidity is the result of being so scared of the world that we stop serving God. And we start being so timid. We start walking on eggshells in every area of life because we're more worried about upsetting our neighbor rather than serving God, which is actually how we love our neighbor well. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what is your take on timidity there, Andrew? Yeah, I think with timidity, uh, it's a fear that is taken over and it's you're, you're afraid of rocking the boat and, you know, attracting any sort of criticism or pushback on even the truth. And that's, that's completely off base. Like as Christians, right. we have to be sold out for the truth because the truth, the Logos, the Word of God is the one who came down and, and saved us. And so since we're followers of the truth, we are also to be lovers of the truth. 
And I think timidity actually is it, it shies away from the truth when it should actually be stood up for. And so I talked about this in one of my short podcasts a couple weeks ago, the or a couple days ago, the driving one, the car combo. Yeah, car about, combo. Yeah, about the permission complex and how you know we feel like we need to ask for someone's approval or permission whenever we're doing anything or saying anything. Right. Is it okay if I think this? Is it okay if I say this or do that? Um, when really, like God has given you a little, a little plot of field, a little plot of land for you to work on, and He's already mm-hmm. given you full permission. He's given you full approval, and every yes and amen through the Son, you've right. been saved, reconciled to Him. You actually have not only permission, but also you know direct orders to start working on that thing. And right. uh, you know that timidity starts to kick in where you second guess that. Did God really say X Y Z? And at that point, you start to you feel that anxiety, that tension of like, oh, I don't know if like God really yeah. said that. I mean, and the, just to insert there for a little bit, it, that's the oldest tactic of Satan all the way back to the garden. Mm-hmm. Well, did God really say that? And you can look at it from cultural issues from today, from homosexuality to true justice to the Bible being sufficient for every area of life. You have culture saying, no, absolutely not. Right. They can't not say that they're enemies of God. And all of a sudden we have uh, those in our in our own camp in the church who are uh, timidly uh, grasping on the word of God. And then all of a sudden start saying, well, did God really speak on sexual sin? Mm -hmm. Not even just homosexuality, mind you, our private practices, our Mm -hmm. private habits. Did God really talk about how to live purely? Does God really want me to live in such a way or would he rather just me enjoy myself right yeah. i think that's i think that's the issue with timidity i think something else with timidity here is we get so scared of serving god i think some of us mm. i think a majority of us have a proper understanding if we take the bible seriously at all and take bible reading seriously at all we see what happens to those who live faithfully we see what happened to every single one of the disciples we see what happened to the cornerstone of our faith in Jesus Christ. The culture hated him. Yeah. And so I think there is a, a certain element there where, again, we're more fearful of our current circumstance, our culture, than we are of our Lord. And we totally, we totally ignore the fact that God uh, presumes in his word that we will be fearful. He mm-hmm. tells us over 300 times different variations of do not fear show up throughout scripture. And then one of those specifically, John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And he goes ahead and tells us the thing that we're scared of potentially happening is going to happen. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Hmm. So that kind of outs us there, right? We, it's so easy to sit back and, and think, but think improperly like you hit on last week. I absolutely loved it in last week's episode. It's so easy for us to sit back and think of all the reasons that we shouldn't go out and be faithful. Mm-hmm. And then before we know it, we're, we're fearing the world more than we're fearing the God, our God, who has already overcome the world. Yeah. Yeah, so you think about it, and it's like if you have a person who's instructing you when you're skydiving that you should pull the cord, pull the parachute cord when you hit whatever altitude it is. If you're feeling timid about pulling that cord, reality is going to come crashing into you pretty quickly uh you have to be courageous you have to have a a heart uh of belief to be able to pull that cord and 
it's the same way with God. Like when we're careening, when we're careening off the edge and toward like disaster, his word actually speaks to those things. Like read the book of Proverbs, read any of the, read anything from Paul's epistles in the new Testament. He's got order after order instructing us on how we should go about living our lives. Pull the ripcord when you hit three, you know, whatever it is. And when that happens, we need to believe him. And we right. don't, you know, you don't really have much of much time if you're being timid. So timidity, it's a, it's wasting your time. I mean, there's one there. I want to qualify that because, yeah. you know, we do need to be wise and make sure we have a good apprehension of the situation and right. to, to make sure that we are within God's like moral will, stuff like that. You definitely want to like gut check. But at the same time, uh, when God makes something clear in scripture, he's calling you to apply it to your life. You don't understand exactly. it if you're not applying it. You like you don't understand pull the ripcord if you don't pull the ripcord at the time, even if you have a perfectly yeah. good theoretical understanding of it in your head. I think, and that's, man, thank you for that. I think that's spot on. And I think just to put that to the test, for, for us right now and for those of, those of you guys who are listening, a, a healthy exercise to um, see whether or not fear is fruitful or a sign of faithlessness right now is to see whether or not you are confusing discernment for disbelief. Mm. Uh, I, think preach. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a difference between what is discerning and what is disbelief. So mm. all the way back to the ocean example, it is, an, it is a certain factor of fear to account whether or not there's a shark in the water, right? But that speaks to discernment, the faculties that God has given us to think discerningly through something. Missionaries have to do it all the time. They count the cost before they leave their home and they go overseas and they preach the gospel and consider and discuss with their wives, their families, that they may not come back. And the fact of the matter is the church could use a little bit more of proper fear of God Hmm. and counting the cost before they say they want to follow Christ. Well, you're talking about fear of God? Yeah, fear of God, fear of God. (laughs) (laughs) So I should be afraid and cower from God when he, uh, when he instructs me on something like, what is that? What's that difference there? Yeah. What's the, so what's the difference? Should, should we fear God? I think, yes, absolutely. I I think there is a proper way to fear God. And, and Luther actually explains this a little bit to harken back to one of our church heroes. There's a natural friction. I think that a lot of the church stays away from this conversation on because we see two commandments in scripture. We see fear God and do not fear, but we confuse the two. We are told to fear God, not to fear the things of this world. But that's a, that's a valid question. How then should we fear God? Is it as a slave, as Luther would say, is a certain uh, level of servile fear? Or is it filial fear? Is it fearing God as a son or daughter? And I would say we absolutely must fear God if not for the very reason that our fear of God really is the driving factor of whether or not we go out and evangelize. Mm -hmm. If we're not that scared of God, then we have a a poor understanding that our neighbors aren't just different in the way they may look from us or uh, the car they drive, but they may be different in the fact, in the sole fact, that they are either saved or not saved. Mm -hmm. If we understand that God is just, and we have a fear of his justice and know that's true, then we will go and evangelize to them about a God who is just but also loving. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Like, I think that as Christian believers, we should just keep in mind that God uses means. He uses Absolutely, his people, yeah. and not just his people, but he uses his people, of which you are one, to accomplish his own will. And so, you know, the word says, faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the word of God. Before it gets into all that, it says, you know, how will they come to believe if they haven't heard right. it proclaimed? How are people to come to know Christ if his heralds are not speaking about him? Right, and so exactly. when we're when we're talking about uh, fearing God, what you're getting into there is like acknowledging that reality Absolutely. and wanting to do it out of a heart of obedience and a heart of gratitude because you want him to work his will out on the earth with your agreement. <laughs> like you, you don't exactly. want, you don't want to be, uh, it, it's like, uh, you know, God's going to use you either way. And so come quietly. <laughs> like, uh, you're, you're going to, you're going to be used to draw that line in the sand. And so you want to be a, a stick that's, you know, from the root of Jesse and not a totally crooked stick because, exactly. uh, being used of God in that way is actually, it's actually good for you too. And so there's a, there's a, I feel like with that, like with all the, what you're saying, like we should desire to obey God and grow in righteousness. Yes, from like a heart full of love and obedience, gratitude, but also from fear of being disciplined by him as a son. It's like, Lord, I want to learn uh, righteousness according to your word. And I want to take that on not just myself uh, in terms of like not having the Spirit's help, but I do want to pursue that so that you're not getting me for being slothful so that you're not uh, having to discipline me into obedience, which, right. which he does graciously do, but we still want to be obedient out of that fear of discipline. Cause it's actually a good thing. The rod is a good thing for him to do, but it's not a good thing for us to actually desire. Exactly. Exactly. We shouldn't in in that relationship aspect as God is our loving father, we shouldn't go out and test God because right. he's always shown that he will spank his sheep back into line yeah. for their good. Yep. We shouldn't do that. But instead, when we come up against friction in this life as sons and daughters of our loving father, we need to understand mm -hmm. that any sort of discipline is actually a good thing. Yeah. If I could pause it for, for everyone listening, consider this, since our topic is fear, wouldn't it be better to know the discipline of a loving father than to be fearful in the fact that he doesn't care enough to discipline you? Hmm. That's something crazy to think about. And that's something, especially if you have a spotty relationship with an earthly father, consider how absent they may have been, even if they're present in the same room. You have to understand that God is so intimately aware and concerned with our holiness and his glory that he'll deal with any sin in that way. Yeah, it's true. But I, I just want to go back, and, and this is selfish in a way, just to speak on fear of God. We should just fear God for his sheer majesty, mm -hmm. for his might. Mm -hmm. I, I want to, if I can, read Revelation 19, 11 through 21. Uh, Johnny Go Cash, for the like jugular. <laughs> <laughs> the rider on a white horse. Y'all listen to this, and if you aren't driving, go ahead and pull it up. Again, that's Revelation 19, 11 through 21. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, 
and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the army, armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth, with their armies gathered to make war against him, who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Hmm. The sheer might of God, all these powers of the world, all these enemies of America we may think we fear. If I could just correct our perspectives for a second. Everything we're so scared of in the world right now when it comes to forces and men will be nothing but appetizers for God's creation. Yeah. Notice that the majority of those were wiped out by the birds of the air. Yeah. And the scragglers that were left were slain by the sword that was coming from Jesus' mouth. If we don't read that, and if you're like me, there's a, there is an overwhelming sense of awe. And, and if we're not a little bit fearful, again, not that we're awaiting trial anymore, but understanding that we bear the same mark of sin that has been paid for, that those who fall by the sword have not, man, we, we just have a wrong view of Christ. We have a wrong view of God. We yeah. prefer this best friend, Jesus needs you type of savior, as opposed to someone who is mighty and the general of the armies of heaven. I, I mean, there is an element of fear, but that fear should motivate us into faithfulness, not to timidity. If we're timid about this, then the chances are we haven't taken the time to test and see whether or not we really, really believe Christ is who he says he is, both in his saving and his sufficiency for us to go out and fight. Yeah, that's such a such an awful scene. Like It really is. Yeah, man. oh my gosh, it's crazy. It's so, Game of Thrones can never even touch that. Not Hollywood even close. can't touch that. Not even close. And like you mentioned, it just... It reveals the might of our Savior, who he's our Savior, but he's also, you know, he has he he executes vengeance on the world as Absolutely. well. And Absolutely. That's awful. It is. And, and what good news, though, too, to understand a world that's clamoring for justice right now, there is a just God. Yeah. And that's why we as the church need to be all the more aware and alert to preaching to them the news of the gospel, that the justice they want, their heads are under as well. Not just the cops, not just police brutality, but every head is under that. So we've already, we've already bled into our line of faith here, our, our line of faith. Um, so why should we fear God? Because he is worth fearing, first and foremost. But Andrew, if you could, how does that proper fear, how does that lead us to a sense of freedom? Well, 
Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge and understanding. Opposite of that, when you don't fear God, when you're the fool, you hate wisdom and understanding. Mm-hmm. So the fear of the Lord, while it is crucial and necessary, it's also the door to getting wisdom and understanding. And that's because we live in his world. That's because we live uh, looking toward that final judgment, which you just mentioned, uh, in which God will do the reckoning. He will look forward, or he, he's going to look at us and our sin and uh, give a give an accounting of it. And so when you're fearing God along those lines, that actually motivates you to trust and obey him more. And uh, along with that, you're, you're actually like able to pursue wisdom. You're able to pursue things like justice and equity here and now on the earth according to God's very definitions. And in right. light of the fact that there will be a final judgment uh, because there is a final judge who's going to make everything right in the end anyway. Absolutely. And so uh, the original question was, I, I forget exactly what it was. Um, how, does that, how does that fear lead to freedom? And I, I, think, you, I think you nailed it spot on. It's, it's that doorway. It, it's the doorway into freedom. Because when you're in Christ, uh, yeah, perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, but it's all fear of being destroyed by the enemies of God. It's it's all exactly. it's it's being uh, the fear of uh, being destroyed by God Himself. You are actually loved. You are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're actually in His family, and so you don't have to uh, you don't have to fear or have that anxiety about being an enemy of God, who's going to be bird food later on. Right. <laughs> you're not exactly. Gonna, you're not uh, subject to being destroyed by the fire. You're actually in Him, and so because of that. You can now walk in freedom. You can walk in wisdom. You can look at the world and not just see it in here and now terms, but is, mm-hmm. but, but r- rather terms of how can I use this to the glory of God? Yeah. How can I maximize the potential of my nine to five and the rest of my day? Yeah. Because I'm, not ha- I'm no longer having to live in fear of this all being meaningless or mm-hmm. uh, of myself not measuring up according to the standards of God. Because in Christ, uh, that Christ has cast out that fear. Absolutely, man. Praise God for that. And and for those of those of you l- who are listening and are hearing all this and um, still feeling uh, sort of a, a disposition to fear, if you hear this and you want to take heart and you want to have courage, and you're just so fear stricken, I, I want to offer this to you: that when God sees your fear, He's not the the Father storming down the corridor just looking for another reason to spank you. He actually is well aware of your fear. Those 300 variations of do not fear are given to his children who he knows are fearful. And it's not followed up in shame. Rather, I want to uh, point us to uh, Joshua 1.9. Joshua 1.9, where we see the Israelites on the heels of their previous generation being wiped out because of their fear, because of disbelief. They were wandering around in the wilderness and the only survivors coming from that to usher in the new generation, being Joshua and Caleb. Uh, so God says this, Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And man, that includes in your fears, guys. If you are still just fear-stricken, and you need to be broken out of the shell that you've built up around yourself that says you can't come near to God. You know how grand he is. You know you should take such heart in him, but you're just fearful 
and you feel like that separates you from God, please understand if you're a son or daughter that God is near to you and casting out your fear. And the Psalms actually level with you. Psalm 56 verses 1 through 3, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. And man, if that's not just an antidote for the modern day Christian, I don't know what is. But what's the Christian response there? How does fear lead to that freedom? How can it, how can it point us to fear God? Verse 3 gives us that answer. It's not that we dive deeper into fear. It's not that we run further yeah. away from our Father. It's this. Verse 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And man, I feel like for the church that we're, there's so many of us who may be caught up in fear that we just can't see it as a possibility to repent, wash our hands, and put our trust in God, who has been holding us all the while. Yeah, that's right. And so you're talking about that Hebrews 13, 6 kind of fear. Uh, mm. So what can, uh, what, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Yeah. You're no longer afraid of being destroyed by men, but rather you're uh, in fellowship with God the Father, yeah, who's going to see you through until the very end, as we're told in Romans 8 as well. Yeah, absolutely. So then we can actually leverage our lives for the gospel when we have heart and we, and we take heart because we see that in, in fear, we can either be frightened and dismayed or we can allow that. We can fight for it. Right. to push us to trust in God, to faithfulness, which makes us strong and courageous. Guys, this is how whole nations were reformed. This is how Knox went over and won Scotland. This yeah. is how Hawaii was bent to the Bible in their, in their uh, law for some time. When Christians understand who their Christ is and understand and take seriously Christ at his word, that he has all authority on heaven and on earth, we understand that Satan is nothing more, not, and I say this, I don't know if I'm snagging this from somebody in history past, so if I am, I want a listener to let me know. But we understand that Satan to that effect is nothing more than a toothless dog on a leash who yeah. is under Christ's heel and can only do God's bidding, which, by the way, is to save God's children and to restore them to faithfulness and make them right. steadfast. We can have a certain, uh, certain level of Christian confidence that this world is our Father's and it's his courts we're playing in. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And even the use of the word confidence, I love that that debate a couple years ago with the apology guys <laughs> and Sides yeah, and Bergen yeah. Gates. He's up there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you have confidence? Confide. <laughs> it means faith. <laughs> For us right. as Christians, yeah, we, we do have faith that um, God is going to see through the good work that he's begun in us until the end. And so we have no reason to fear. I think that's, that's so great. I love how you mentioned those... Uh, historic Christian nations in, uh, from, from the past. And, you know, we, of course, uh, look forward to the day when all things will be made right and when Absolutely. Every, every Christian is a Christian nation because we'll all be yep. uh, the nation of God in the new Jerusalem. Uh, but along those lines, like, we see, like, pockets of that in history, and God actually blesses people who fear him yeah, because that fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom and understanding and when you have like rulers doing that when you have people who they hear psalm 2 when it says you know kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way and the ruler says sure i think i need to do that then um (laughs) god actually blesses those nations historically i mean look at england like you said look at scotland look at uh hawaii 
look at early America. Um, God actually Mm -hmm. blesses these nations. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. But um, do they fear God? At the time, yeah, they did, and and God actually blessed that. Um, And not just with sort of abstract spiritual blessings, but he actually... Uh, there, there was there was material blessing as well. Um, right. People were, you know, it's, it's like this is where capitalism came from. This is where, uh, you know, our constitution, which was a document that recognized so many fundamental human rights, came Absolutely. from. And so, as as believers, we just we need to grab onto that. Absolutely, and th- and man, this is why we were so excited for this episode because we understand the. Uh, the range of listeners it may fall on. It could fall on uh, those who are already confident and, and maybe not as fearful as they should be of God the Father. And, and we're excited and pray that this could help correct some perspective. It may fall on ears that just can't get away from their fear. And so I just pray you're encouraged and understanding that on the other side of your fear is faithfulness. If only you just put your trust in God your Father. So yeah. thank you guys so much for joining in. Andrew, any last thoughts? Uh I just think of that, uh, the final words of the book of Jude, which serve as a doxology. I'm not going to read them here, um, but it talks about you being presented before the throne of God with great joy by the Son. He's, he's able to present you before the throne of God with great joy. And if we just read that passage again from Revelation 19, and we think about the, the judgment that our sin warrants, and not just on an individual, but on a world, cosmic nationwide whatever scale uh being presented confidently by christ to the to the throne of god is very good news and we have no reason to fear because if someone that mighty is on our side and he's in our ring then we we have nothing to fear man praise god and that just makes me think of the hymn by john newton where he says it was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved So thank you guys so much for listening in. As always, let Andrew and I send you out with this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Let's get to work, guys. Thank you for joining us. Go get that daily bread. Go get it.